It is a Friday recruiting edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast as I'm joined by Locked On Recruiting Insider Brian Smith to give you all the latest on what all is going on with South Carolina's 2024 and potential 2025 recruiting board. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I am the host of this podcast, Andrew Line, and I thank y'all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more right now as new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And because this is a recruiting show, today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. Brian, we got a lot to get into on today's show, so let's go ahead and get started with some of the biggest news that took place this past weekend for South Carolina. Obviously, it wasn't a great weekend on the field, and admittedly, uh, when it came to press conferences, but in terms of recruiting, it was a good weekend because the Gamecocks kind of unofficially flipped Jalewis Solomon from the Auburn Tigers. So, um, Brian, how big of a deal is this for South Carolina, and what kind of player do you think the Gamecocks are getting in Jalewis Solomon? Anytime you win an SEC recruiting battle, I think it should get some merit. And Auburn wanted him. He was a kid that had offers from a lot of programs. He's played against good competition in the state of Georgia, and he's a DB. We both know how important DBs are in the Southeastern Conference. The teams that get the good ones tend to kind of float up towards the top of the conference ladder. So that that's a big deal. And he's a long kid. He could play nickel. He could play safety. He could play some corner. I'm curious to see how Beamer and his staff end up using him short-term as compared to long-term. It could change. And it could even be situationally based on the teams that they're going against, which means he's got versatility and skill. And you can never have enough of that. Without a doubt. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm curious to see how they utilize him because of the skill set and also the frame that he does bring. Definitely could play either nickel or outside corner. We'll definitely have to see how that plays out once he gets to campus. And Brian, another interesting aspect of this recruitment is that he's got a younger brother in Zayden Walker who has even more notoriety than Jalewis Solomon. As a matter of fact, depending on where you look, he's considered one of the top prospects in the country, a five-star prospect for the 2025 class. So I know Gamecock fans might be wondering, does this help out South Carolina's chances in that recruitment? Or do you think that Zane Walker is a guy that might be kind of looking to forge his own path? I never like to speculate too much on that, but I mean, how could it hurt? Every now and then I've seen a situation where a kid just doesn't want to be where his brother's at, but it's pretty rare. I would imagine worst case scenario, the older brother could say, hey, I visited these schools. This is what you can expect. Don't waste your time with that school. It'll be kind of a coordination. But at the same time, I mean, he's at South Carolina. You're going to go visit, right? You're going to check it out, right? So, yeah, I would think overall it gives a little bit of an edge to Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks. 
Yeah, and you know the fact that you're getting a guy like Dylan Stort in this recruiting class, a guy that, from what I've heard, he's been helping to recruit some of the targets for South Carolina's coaching staff. Who knows? Maybe Dylan Stort's a guy that reaches out and tries to get him to come on and join him and Cameron Fountain if he were to flip, I should say, along with Desmond Mazzulu. Point being, South Carolina got a lot of intriguing targets and also players that are going to be joining this program in the very near future. Now, Brian, I want to flip things over to the other side of the ball and talk about the offensive line. And to get into this conversation, I want to start with sort of more of a broad question. With how much Georgia's dominated the sport the past couple years, and mainly through the trenches, to me it kind of feels like that we're starting to see more teams really put a bigger emphasis on the line of scrimmage, offensive line and defensive line specifically. Do you agree with that? And if so, with how South Carolina has been recruiting the offensive line the past couple cycles and in 2025, do you think that they might be one of those teams that, you know, if they continue to keep that momentum going, they could challenge a team like a Georgia maybe a couple years down the road? If you can't get good offensive line play at any level, we both know that's going to be a struggle to win any kind of decent football game. Georgia's O-line is very good. They put guys in the NFL, but they recruit to their scheme and they have guys that kind of fit what they do each and every year. And they got dedicated guys. They run as much as anybody in the offseason. They put their guys through the ringer. South Carolina is starting to kind of turn the corner, though. Uh, they need to take fewer transfer portal guys like Georgia. They get all the homegrown talent they can possibly get. Red shirt, develop the whole nine yards. They're one of the few schools that can do that. But there's an O-line shortage in general in college football. A lot of it's due to the portal. Kids don't want to wait. O-line and quarterback are the two spots. It takes longer. Kids don't have much patience. Well, being in the portal and not having a home is not real good either. But that's what a lot of kids are doing right now. So I think Georgia is a great example, and I'm glad you use them. It takes time, and you need recruiting after recruiting class to be good. But South Carolina has at least started the process. They're probably going to have to hit the portal a little bit in the short term. But say two years from now, like the 2025, 2026 classes, they should be to a point where they can just recruit high school kids. And maybe if you take a portal guy, it's just like one dude. You can get a left tackle. Sure. I mean, it's it's understandable. You get a guy that's got 25 starts under his belt. Come on down. But you've got to develop the homegrown talent. Look at Iowa. Look at Michigan, look at Notre Dame, Alabama, Georgia. Those are the schools that are traditionally in the Joe Mort Award contention. They don't take a lot of portal guys. They recruit from the high school ranks and develop. Yeah, no, the thing I noticed, Brian, with this uh, with this past transfer portal cycle is that there were very few, like, top-of-the-line offensive linemen in the portal. And obviously, if you are one of those guys, then you will have a team like maybe an Alabama or maybe an Oregon who got, I think, a Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island was a really right. good player this past portal cycle. Those kind of guys, there's just not many to go around. So I completely agree with you on the fact that, you know, when it comes to offensive line recruiting, unless you are one of those big-name programs – you pretty much have to rely solely on your high school recruiting footprint. You got to land guys close to you. And Shane Beamer and his staff have definitely done a great job of doing that so far in his tenure. When Brian and I come back in just a couple moments, we're going to talk about an offensive line target from the state of Georgia. One that South Carolina is battling their in-state rivals for. And we're going to also talk about some wide receiver recruiting, an area that needs to improve if you are South Carolina. We're going to touch on all of that in just a couple of moments. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, 
For those of you who are out there, you know, you might be going through a tough time right now. You might just be having a really rough time at work. You might be having a really rough time at home. But no matter what is going on in your life, you need to at some point make sure that you're going and you are bettering yourself. You need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that therefore you can also take care of everyone around you. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient and flexible, and also suited to your schedule. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnCollege. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. I brought this up earlier in the week, but in case you missed it, the Carolina Panthers' current win total is set at 3.5 by the FanDuel oddsmakers. And the Panthers starting off 0-6 for the first time, I believe, since 1998. They have not been doing good so far this season. The under is set at plus 116. So if the Panthers continue to just fall down the mountain slope the rest of the way, then it might end up being a good idea to eventually hit that under. If you think that that is the case, now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Friday recruiting edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day. And speaking of every single day, as always, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Brian, we talked about offensive linemen before we went into the first break. I want to continue that conversation with a specific prospect from the 2024 class in Georgia's Elijah Thurman. This is a kid that has kind of flown under the radar, but some evaluators think that he might be one of the best interior offensive line prospects in this class. And he's got some big-time offers to go with that. I believe Clemson has definitely offered him, South Carolina, a couple of other SEC programs as well. And he's going to be taking an official visit to South Carolina later this fall. So what all have you seen with Elijah Thurman's recruitment, and where do you think South Carolina stands? Well, it, it's kind of odd, but Georgia, as we've talked about here just a moment ago, they kind of get as good as it gets for kids that are close to ready-made. Like every kid they have in their committed, it's 320 and above big dudes. This kid is a little smaller, but he's really athletic. He was at the Under Armour event. He can move in space and do things. He's more of a modern offensive lineman for an interior guy. He can handle pass protection. Clemson is a team that's coming after him, which is always a good sign. I know South Carolina fans don't like them, but Dabo obviously can evaluate. And he's got several other offers, Duke included. I mean, he's, Student, the whole nine yards. I think South Carolina would do very well to get him, and they've been on him for quite a while. I, it, I just find it interesting. It's the border state, and the two schools recruiting him the hardest, allegedly, are from South Carolina. It's just, It just shows you how diverse and how broad the state of Georgia is for high school football recruiting. It's incredible. Yeah, for sure. And I believe that the high school he plays for is the Bradwell Institute. Yeah. And for South Carolina fans, you might recall that school because that's the same school that produced – NFL running back Kevin Harris, who starred for the Gamecocks oh. just a couple of years ago. 
So that is a high school that the Gamecocks, they got some history with. So maybe that is a part of the reason why they discovered him. And also, you know, hey, it could end up helping you out at the end of the day with the relationships that you have there. Now, Brian, we're going to switch gears and talk about the wide receiver position now. And this is a position group where, if we're being honest, South Carolina has not done a good enough job here for the past several years. Now, that's not all on Shane Beamer and his current staff, but they play a role in this. The Gamecocks... Up to this point, they've only brought in one four-star since the 2020 cycle. Some fans tried to throw in Nicholas Harper's name. Let's be honest, that's just not really realistic to do. He was recruited as an edge rusher that kind of got converted to wide receiver to help his track career. And um, so my question to you here is, with those numbers, and they're not good, do you think that that could catch up to South Carolina at some point? How many cycles do you see uh, for a program that does recruit wide receivers well, where it gets to a point that you start to see a noticeable drop-off? There are several schools that are kind of in a similar boat. Think of it this way. No matter who you play, defensively, one of the first things you look at on, okay, where's our playmakers? If they don't have a guy outside or two, well, we're just going to put everybody in the box, man up, and here we go. The game plan is pretty simple. And they look at it this way. South Carolina's got a real quarterback right now. He can sling it. He's going to play in the NFL in some capacity. And they're still struggling. What does that tell you? And they're going to lose him. So absolutely, starting next year, it could be really bad. You think it's bad now? I mean, who's South Carolina's quarterback going to be? And they don't have a definitive playmaker that's a traditional receiver that you trust to come back. I think it's going to be a problem right away. They have to hit on a couple of transfer portal guys. And that is hard, man, because who are you selling them at quarterback? Next year, you're going to be rough unless they figure that out because they're, they're not hitting here at the receiver position out of the prep ranks. It could take a junior college kid, too. But, man, that's rough. You, you, you know, it's a shame because Rattler's had a really good season by and large, considering he's under duress all the time. Offensive line has not helped him out, especially in that North Carolina game. They need to hit a home run, though, in the transfer portal to kind of get over and they stick. Again, like to your point, at some point, you got to go get a dude. Come hell, come high water. You got to get a guy who can come in and play right away. Doesn't have to be Randy Moss, but you got to get somebody that's an impact guy. They just haven't done it. Yeah. And I know that Gamecock fans, they'll point to the fact that, you know, South Carolina got Anton Juice Wells a couple cycles ago. And obviously, that was a great pickup. And when he has been healthy and on the football field, sure. he's been one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. But like you say, you know, these guys, they, they're they looking for stability. And with Spencer Rattler leaving, sure, Lenore Sellers, he could end up being the best quarterback in school history here. People think he's got that kind of talent. And he had some great throws against Furman in week two. But again, are you going to sell kids on that? It's a fair question. And, you know, it's certainly something that I think this coaching staff, they're going to have to battle when they are recruiting kids out of the portal this offseason. It's also why I think the Braylon Staley recruitment is extremely imperative for this staff. If they can yes. flip him, there's your slot that guy for the next couple of years. Yeah, I absolutely. bet you he would he would have a chance. Assuming he understood the playbook, which is always the one you just don't know, they'd have to find a way to get him on the field because, like, he can go get it. That's a oh, legitimate yeah. SEC first or second receiver on any team. Like, he can go get it. And he's from your home state, man. You got to land some of those kids. They can't all go to Clemson and Georgia, et cetera. You got to get some of those kids. Oh, yeah, no question about that. Brian, 
I want to now switch gears and talk about something else when it comes to high school football recruiting. And that is what all has been going on with some new NIL laws that have been passed in different states. Now, obviously, when it comes to all the legal rigmarole, we're not going to completely dive into those weeds. But I want no part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Not not, not do I. I try to stick as I try to stick with South Carolina's football team as best I can and not get into legalities. But um, obviously the state of Missouri, they were one of like the few states, the first states that implemented a law like this. We've seen it have a really big impact for the Tigers off the field in recruiting. And now we're seeing states like Georgia and Florida do this as well. So what, what are your best, what's your best understanding in terms of how this is impacting recruiting at the high school level? And how much do you think it's helping these programs where these laws are being passed? Missouri is the most interesting one because Williams Nawari is a defensive lineman that one could make an argument. It's one of the top three to five players in the country. He's Dylan Stewart-like. They're, they're similar players. And everybody thought he was going to leave state. Missouri passes a law that even while you're still in high school, if you're going to state, you they were just doing this for Missouri football, period. While you're still in high school, you can get paid if you're committed to that school. Yep. I mean, well, he committed to Missouri. Here's the thing, I, and, and I posed this with somebody else. What if on signing day, he flips to Georgia? Does he have to give the money back? Like, there's all kinds of bad, bad, bad things that are eventually going to happen here. There, it's, it's, it's not. So that, that's one part that I don't like. But absolutely, it's helping. In the state of Texas, they tried to pass a law saying that you can't come after them for trying to you know, use NIL and all. The NCAA can do whatever and other people can sue you. You can't just say somebody can't come after us. It was a dumb, dumb thing the governor said. But there's all kinds of things like that starting, and it's really simple. It's about leverage. People are looking to leverage NIL as a recruiting tool flat out, which is flat out an NIL violation, NCAA violation. Now, I know everybody's cheating in some capacity, but don't make it obvious with your state legislature. It's hilarious. So, yes, it's changing things. And there are certain schools that don't like it as much. Uh, as an example, Saban doesn't like giving the money up front because he wants you to earn it. Like he's always trying to motivate his kids. He talks about that all the time and good for right. him. But I know it's cost them in some certain situations too. But once kids get to Bama, they get killed with money. I mean, they just throw it at them because you do the right things and they'll pay them. I know you're shocked that Alabama's boosters want to keep their players. I know you're shocked by that. <laughs> but I mean, that's the right way to do it too. So it's interesting because it, it's sad that we're coming to this. And some of these politicians are just doing this to try to get votes. Like, yep. do you really think if Texas and Texas A&M's boosters hadn't come to them, which is a humongous number of people that vote? Yeah, there are people that could care no less about Texas, Texas A&M football. But they wanted that wall passed because they're trying to make their own money and stay in their house seat or whatever. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a big factor. There's no way, though, you're going to get, quote unquote, uniformity state to state at anything, especially when these people are literally looking for straight up leverage. They can say whatever they want. We all know better. I don't trust any politician personally, but that's what this is about. So how do you combat it? I don't know, because this is changing every day. There's something new that comes out about NIL. It seems like every day you tell me, man, uh, what's it going to be? Because, Andrew, this this is as crazy as I've ever seen it. Yeah, no, people have already been calling it the wild, wild west for a reason. And, you know, when, when you now include high school kids who, you know, let, let's just be honest, um, some of them take personal finance class. That's great. You know, you're trying to better yourself, sure. trying to learn about, you know, real world skills. But 
obviously, you know, that's a lot of information for a high school kid and their parents at the same time to digest, especially when it's getting thrown at you from all sorts of different schools. So how could this affect South Carolina? We'll finalize this conversation on that note in just a couple of moments. Today's show is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, we're in the midst of the fall season now. So for Brian and I both living in the South, we're starting to see some fantastic temperatures, starting to see temperatures in the 70s, low 70s, high 60s, maybe down Florida, still a little bit warmer for Brian, but at least in South Carolina, I can attest, the weather's been way, way nice for the past couple of weeks. And when you're outside, you're doing your walk, maybe you're doing some things with your family or friends, you want to also wear some clothes that are going to be perfect with that weather. It's going to match those weather conditions. And you're looking for that, you got to try out bird dogs. They got Really comfortable shorts. They got really good uh, water bottles. They've also got really good white <laughs> tech hats. Brian's wearing one right now if you're watching the show on YouTube. So Bird Dogs, point being, they got a lot of great products. You need to go check them out right now. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code college at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Brian, I really appreciate you for being on today's show. Final thing I want to ask you before you head on, we were talking about NIL and these state laws and how it's affecting high school football recruiting before we went into our last break. So now I want to ask you specifically regarding South Carolina. Right now, the state of South Carolina, they do not have any NIL laws in place for high school athletes, at least as far as my knowledge is concerned, I don't think they do. But the state of Georgia has put one in, the state of Florida has put one in. We already know that sometimes kids will move to a different high school to better themselves in terms of maybe their competition or maybe get more playing time. That kind of stuff happens just when it comes to the football field. So now when you throw money in there, maybe some kids that are close to another state border, they might switch places and go to another state, change their residency so that they can take advantage of NIL laws and maybe go to Georgia or Florida and get compensated while still being a high school athlete. So, Brian, do you think that South Carolina, they're probably not going to sit on their hands waiting too long to maybe create their own NIL law? What's your thoughts on that? I already know some players that have done that and changed states. So I'll leave that name and all that away. But South Carolina is behind the eight ball if they have it. And I know that state is very conservative and doesn't necessarily like it, but it's, that's rough. I uh, catch 22 there. Um, Dabo's not going to use it or whatever, but that doesn't mean South Carolina's not going to. That's the other tug and pull for the politicians. The people that support Clemson know Dabo doesn't like it. So they don't want South Carolina to have extra advantages. Boy, that for a politician, that's not fun. It'd be really interesting to kind of follow that. Because the politicians are just, how do, how do I get votes? They don't care about their constituents. They just want to stay in power. I don't care what they say. I just, how I look at it. That's going to be crazy because South Carolina is definitely NIL and Clemson's not. But they got to figure something out because some kids are just going to leave the state, period. And it's one of the reasons that IMG here in Florida and stuff, kids come down. Now I'm going there tonight. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, man. It's a very big deal. 
Yeah, and for South Carolina, it's a unique situation because the, the being the flagship university, it's located right across from the state capitol building in the city of Columbia. So there's a lot of politics already wow. involved with the state university. So you would think that that might mean that, hey, maybe they would maybe fall behind. But you're also right. Very conservative state. Definitely maybe some clashing ideals uh, within those buildings that obviously, you know, no one else has any control over. And so. Um, yeah, if, if you're Shane Beamer, I can't imagine the amount of stress this brings upon you when you got so many factors that are now out of your control when it comes to this stuff. And you got to hope that, you know, dozens of other people that wear suits and ties all the time are going to be able to maybe give you an extra advantage. But again, mention all the dynamics with Clemson involved as well. So definitely probably be a long time before we see how that plays out. But Brian, I can't thank you enough for coming on to today's show. For all you Locked On Gamecock viewers and listeners, thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Friday and have a fantastic weekend. I'll be sure to catch y'all on my reaction show after the Missouri game right here on Locked On Gamecocks.